Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. We, uh, obviously, uh, a little bit heavier a day for, for me and for our church a little bit. Um, uh, many of you probably know, you've heard in our community, we, we lost a, a, a hero, a dad, a, a husband, um, and, then, and then really... Um, uh, Officer Tucker Blakely was part of our community here uh, in, in multiple ways in this, this um, scenario. I'm just praying today that, um, that, we, that, that what the enemy meant for tragedy and meant for evil, that God will turn to, to good. The Bible says he'll do that, that God will turn to hope and God will turn to healing. And um, we, uh, our, uh, Officer Tucker was our police officer here. He, we have several police officers that serve our community, but for the last couple of years, he's been here on Sunday mornings and interacting with all of us, keeping us safe. Um, he's been at our youth, at our student ministry on Wednesday nights and um, caring for our students, and then uh, just just really gave his life as a hero. Um, uh, this last week, he passed away on Monday. I saw him on um, Sunday morning last week. I got to communicate and talk with him in the lobby and uh, just talked about family and, and church and life, and then uh, he was the officer on the scene with me a couple a month ago when that young man died on a motorcycle. We were there, and so I um, just talked about life several times, and then he tragically uh, gave his life and uh, on Monday. And so, and then also some uh, kind of an, another uh, piece of that story. So you know, so there's a family there. Uh, I attended the funeral on Friday for Officer Blakely. I don't know if anybody got to. Um, let me just say this first: If you're a police officer, or a veteran, or have served, thank you so much. Come on, can we give it, these guys? Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice, your service, your um, putting your, your life on the line that way. Um, the uh, funeral Friday was probably, I, I've, done a lot, I've been to a lot of funerals, done a lot of funerals. Um, I've done funerals of young teenagers that have committed suicide, young adults that have committed suicide. That's hard. Uh, I've done funerals for babies. Uh, that's hard. I've never been to a harder funeral um, than what I experienced on Friday, ever. And uh, I've just two hours straight of, you know, congressmen spoke, mayors spoke, police chiefs spoke, uh, men and women from around the country were here in our community. Um, obviously, our world's in, a, in tough times. Um, uh, Israel declared war yesterday, you guys know that, and um, that hasn't happened in 50 plus years. Uh, I, there's a lot happening in the earth, and I just pray today that, you know, what this was uh, f- for me Friday, that I can impart some of my heart to you today. Some of our staff actually, on the other side of the picture, um, Audrey Christopher, uh, our, one of our staff members, and her husband, Austin, they, they knew the family of the couple that was stuck in some domestic violence. So they, they have been ministering to and trying to reach out to and trying to help and serve that family for the last few months and, and helping them because they were in a domestic violence situation. So, so Audrey, she schedules our police officer and she knows Tucker and she knows the wife of the family that lost the other husband. So there's two families that have a father gone, a husband gone, pain, tragedy. Um, and so we're serving. We've, you as a church, we've given $5,000 so far to, to Officer Tucker and his family online. You can go online and do that. Um, there was a fund in New York that paid his wife's mortgage off and um, that's amazing. The funeral Friday uh, was the toughest thing I've ever been to. I heard um, his wife got up and spoke and uh, she talked about the six times in her life when the world had stopped, when the first kiss happened between those two, when they said, I do, when she found out she was pregnant, and then the last three were on October 2nd when she got the phone call that 
Tucker has been shot when she had to tell her little boy who's five and she, she told him and he said, but that's my best friend. And when she had to hear his heart stop on the table at the hospital and that that was the heart that made her the woman she was and that created courage in her life and she had to hear it stop for the final time. Uh, I left there. It was a helicopter flyover. They had taps and the different things and um, the, the impact. I left there and I called, my, I called all three of my kids and uh, just began to talk to them. And um, I, I, I didn't call them because time is short. I didn't call them because, um, which it is, you know, I didn't call them because you never know when your day is, which we don't. That's not why I called them. I, call, I called them because I wanted to be a better dad. I wanted to be a better friend. That little boy said, he's my best friend. I called three of my kids and said, hey, I want to be a better friend to you. Hugged my wife better this week. I want to be a better dad, better husband. Um, Hugged my friends better. Wept some, a lot. I, I just, so, so, so couldn't, could his death and what we experienced and what he represented in our lobby every week, could that just maybe make us be better? Could that maybe help us be better people, better dads, better moms? Could we figure out the right battles to fight? I just wanted to, I just wanted to obsess over, I just, I called him because I wanted to obsess over the right stuff. Could we decide to obsess over the right stuff in this hour? I think that uh, I can be better. Audrey wrote a poem and uh, a poem slash prayer. I'm going to read it to us. She wrote this. Uh, it doesn't make sense. No matter the facts, I still find myself asking more. I feel like I've been put on defense. Friends, family, hurting family, friends. Surrounded by pain, but who's to blame? We need peace to make amends. There's only one name, Jesus. Pray, please, Lord, meet us. We have hope in knowing where they're going. Their bodies and minds have been set free. Their spirits are with you. Their healing is done. But what about me? It seems like the enemy is having too much fun. Lord, help me to be a light in the middle of the fight. Let me shine for you for all that is true. The story isn't done. You won't let the pain be in vain. I know your plan has just begun. So my prayer is that we would be a light in this fight, that we would be better, that, that I would be a better man, a better leader, a better friend, a better pastor, a better dad. I want my kids to say, but he's my best friend. And there's probably times in my life I obsessed over the wrong things. And I don't know if my kids would say that every day because of the things I've obsessed over. And uh, I want to just make sure I get it right the second half of my life to go to a funeral like that and to see that and to see a man like that at 29 years old and the impact that he had. I just think that um, God can move in our hearts today. And so I want to uh, go to Genesis with you. I didn't know what to preach today. I've been, I threw up my message uh, this week. I've been praying all week. I probably didn't really know until yesterday fully what to share, but the Lord took me to Genesis chapter four. And I want to go back to the beginning of time when two other brothers got into it. And uh, a man named Cain killed his brother named Abel in the middle of a circumstance in the garden of Eden or outside of the garden. And, um, 
I just pray that we can get some insight and hope today uh, from these situations and that uh, it can minister to us. Um, it's an age-old battle. And uh, God asks Cain, um, well, Cain, uh, in disrespect to God, asked God a question. And I think that's the question I want to pose today to us. Um, after it all shook out, Cain said to God in, in disobedience or in disrespect, um, he said, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And that's what I really want to talk to us about today. Like as a church, what are, what are we doing? Like how, I mean, we're doing a lot of great things, but what, what are we doing? Like, am I my brother's keeper? Are we the keeper of our brother and sister in this community? And what does that look like? Genesis 4, 1 through 16, it says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, you got to keep in mind, they've been thrown out of the garden. They're not in paradise any longer. They've been removed from that. And it says, now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord, but Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. So, so they, they understood sacrifice based on when God gave instructions back in the garden. They understood their parents had taught them about sacrifice, about worshiping God, but, but Cain brought the produce of the ground, but there was a, an instruction that you got to bring a, a, a lamb, an offering, a blood sacrifice, and God had done that originally, showed them a picture of, of blood sacrifice, picturing to Jesus, but this was how they were supposed to do it. Uh, Abel did it, but Cain didn't. And so God respected, it says, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, verse five, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry. Well, how many times do we get angry when, when God wants us to do it one way and we want to do it our way? And he gets angry. It says, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Not, not if you do a bunch of more rules, not if you do better, if you, if you do it how I asked, if you, if you sacrifice the lamb, if you believe in the blood of Jesus, if you do well, you not be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. You should reign over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Blood has a voice. The blood of those martyred has a voice. The blood of Jesus has a voice. Hebrews says that Jesus' blood cries out mercy. Jesus' blood has a voice. And, and, and Abel's blood has a voice. Abel's blood was crying out. Abel's blood, Hebrews tells us, the book of Hebrews says, Abel's blood was crying out vengeance, but Jesus' blood cries out mercy. And so, so it says, hey, is his blood not crying out to me from the ground? And I'm going to jump to 16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Simple title for today is Living in the Land of Nod. Living in the Land of Nod. Let's pray real quick. Father, would you help me? Would you uh, minister to us? We minister to you. Lord, we've worshiped, worshiped and ministered to you. You're worthy of it. And so thank you for being here. Would you change us? Would you heal us? Would you help us? Would you walk with us? Holy Spirit, would you comfort us? Would you help families in our community? Would you help our police departments? Would you help uh, the family that lost a father on the other side of the equation? Would you help our church minister however we can? Would you help in our weakness in Jesus' name? Amen? Living in the land of Nod. So the story is 
um, about Cain and Abel in Genesis. The background is Adam and Eve rebelled. They lost their position in the Garden of Eden. They wanted to do it their way. They uh, got tricked by Satan, and um, they, they end up getting kicked out of the Garden. The whole entire book of Genesis can be summed up in one statement, the inadequacy of man without God. The inadequacy of mankind without God. The whole pattern of the Bible shows us over and over and over the inadequacy of mankind without God. The hopelessness of man without God. The hopelessness and the hurt of man without the indwelling power of God, without knowing Christ. The, the hopelessness. The houses can be beautiful. The cars can be big and expensive. The, 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 all the blessings can be, be there, but over and over we can have all the gimmicks, but there's hopelessness and emptiness without God. And we see this story play out in these two Young men's lives, Adam and Eve, they get thrown out. Come on, they got some dysfunction in their family. They get thrown out. Talk about dysfunction. Like they want to be God. They rebel. They eat the fruit. They begin to blame each other. Come on. How many, anybody got a little dysfunction in their family? Any dysfunction? Anybody thankful that the Bible tells it like it is? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying because you, there, there's your dysfunction. You got some dis, We all got dysfunction. Everybody comes to church like, well, that church has got so much dysfunction. We got dysfunction here because we a family. And then any other church you go to, you're going to bring some dysfunction there. And your family's got dysfunction. Your workplace has dysfunction. And life has dysfunction. And, and, and there's dysfunction. Because we're not in heaven yet. And here, here's this dysfunction of this family and, and, and all these things that happen. And then chapter 4, I love chapter 4. It gets to the end. They have some kids. And they've been training their kids to worship. And here's what blows me away. In the middle of all the dysfunction, these kids, these two boys, are deciding to give God worship. They could have easily blamed each other for not having the nice house. Could have blamed mom and dad, the devil, for getting thrown out of the neighborhood. Come on, got kicked out by the homeowner association. Couldn't be there any longer. They could have blamed, they could have been bitter and angry that they lost to the, the good schools or the good standing, whatever it was in the community. And they, but here they're still deciding to bring God a worship to bring God a sacrifice in the middle of all of it. They're still worshiping God. It's easy in these situations to get angry and to blame the dysfunction of our world and the pain of our world and to blame Satan and to blame whatever happened and go, you know what, I don't even know if I'm going to worship him. And these two young men are bringing worship. Let me just write this down for you. Write this down. I wrote this down. Number one, God wants your worship regardless of your world's dysfunction. God wants your worship. Regardless of how dysfunctional it is, he wants your worship. And the, the, the trick of Satan is to convince you and I that we're too dysfunctional to worship. He wants to tell you that your worship doesn't matter and you're not good enough and, and, and there's too much pain and too much chaos in the world. And if God is good, then, then why all the bad and why worship him? And that's the enemy's trick because he knows the only weapon you and I have in the midst of dysfunction is worship. The, the only thing that can help us overcome the pain and the hurt of what the world faces and what thro it throws at us is us to worship God and to give our heart to God and to believe him to get on the scene no matter what, to bring our heart to God. Yeah. Satan wants you and I to think we can't worship. Abel worships with a, a, a firstborn of the flock. Cain brings the work of his hands. It was a picture, of, it was a picture of, of, of Abel bringing the sacrifice of Jesus and Cain bringing the work and effort of his hands. It was a picture of mankind trying to earn their way to God versus mankind surrendering to what Jesus did. It, that's the deepness of it. And God gets with Cain and he doesn't accept Cain and Cain gets angry. In verse six, God asks Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? Wow. 
the God of all the universe, the creator of the heavens and earth, the creator of, of the moon and the stars and the galaxies and the universes, the one that brings the sun up and brings the sun down, the one that clothes the sparrows and the, clothes the lilies and makes the nest for the sparrows, the one that knows when one drops, the one, the God of all the universe, the one that set the time in motion, the one that lives outside of time, says, Cain, why is your face frowning? God notices the dispensation, disposition of, of Cain's face. You might think God doesn't care about your situation. Write it down. God cares how you feel. He cares that we're grieving. He cares that we're hurting. He cares that families lost a husband and a father and a friend. He cares about our police department. He cares about our city. He cares about our church. He cares that there was a man that was in our lobby that's not anymore. He cares about my face and your face and the tears. He cares about the thing you're going through. He cares about the divorce. He cares about the abuse. He cares about the hurt. He cares. He cares. He says, why is your face, Cain, downcast? It blows my mind that the God that big notices the grimace on Cain's face, notices the frown on his face. We read it too fast. God knows when you're smiling, when you're in pain, when you're hurting, when you're happy. When my son Jude, he's real stoic. He used to get angry. I'd get in his face and try to make him smile, make him laugh, do stupid stuff. Just trying to, whatever I could do. I'm not going to do it for you. Just, but he was stoic. He wouldn't do. He wouldn't break. He wouldn't break out of it, you know. But like as a father, like I wanted to bring that joy. I wanted to change his countenance. I wanted to. I wanted to do you think God doesn't want to do that for us? For you, like God, He's like getting down to our level. Going, I see your face. I see your pain. I see what you're facing. He cares about you. God cares how you feel. And here's what's amazing. He begins to talk to Cain and have conversation. Cain's angry. Cain's mad. Cain's ticked off. Come on, society in the world, there's a lot of anger and pain and hurt. And God is still in the conversation. Hey, why are you so angry? Some of you are so angry and you think God's done with you or you think you messed up too far or you think you did too much. And God's still talking to you going, hey, I see you're a little bit upset. Hey, I see you're a little bit angry. Hey, I see you're a little bit hurting today. Hey, I, I, he doesn't, God doesn't cut the conversation off. We do. And all I would ask and, 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 and request of you today is like, just don't cut the conversation off. Whatever it is, whatever you faced, whatever you've gone through, just don't, just don't cut the conversation off. God is still communicating and conversing, going, hey, I know how you feel. It's okay. I want to talk to you. Verse four, he says, listen, if you do well, won't you be accepted? He's saying, look, if you just do it my way, if you just, if you just do what I've asked, if you just surrender to Jesus, really what this is saying, verse number three, repentance, humility, and faith always afford us a second chance. Repentance, humility, and faith always afford you and I a second chance. God, I'm sorry I did it my way. Cain, Cain wouldn't do it. God's pleading with Cain to repent, to get right with the blood, to get right with the sacrifice of Jesus. It, it's a picture of that. He's like, listen, if you do right, won't, won't you be accepted? If you just repent, if you just humble yourself, if you just say, God, I want it your way, not my way. Come on, anybody uh, saying sorry is a cuss word to you in here? <laughs> Everybody always have to be right. Don't look at anybody sitting by you. One time, one of my kids hit their brother. One of the brothers hit the other brother in the nose with a stick. Just popped him in the nose with a stick. I was like, hey, did you hit your brother in the nose with a stick? No, I did not. I pushed his head away. I was like, oh, 
Is that what you call that? It's called hitting him in the nose with a stick, son. <laughs> so often we want to like redefine it and rename it and like, and say it's not what it is. And God's going, Hey, did you do that? Like, is this what, and he's like, listen, I got grace. I've got, I've got care. Ultimately repentance and humility and faith activate grace. He's offering grace to Cain and grace gets, and Cain gets harder and harder and harder. Here, here's what's scary. This is why we offer ministry moments. This is why I challenged you today to, to move out and to put your hands in the air and to respond to God. Why I said, please respond to God, because the more you can encounter his presence and not respond, the harder you get. The more you can come, it's dangerous for me. The more I can preach stuff to you and grace to you and the more I can lay my life out on the line and lay my heart and what God's done in my life out on the line and the more you can come in an environment like this and not respond, the harder and the more callous you get to your situation and your circumstance and who God is in it. That's why it's so imperative for you to bow your knee and to, to, to respond to God in those moments because it softens the heart and it changes the heart. It can't always just be right. The way to live is, I'm altogether wrong, and he's altogether right. That's the way to live. And when we walk like that, when we live like that, we begin to get second chances over and over and over and over and over and over and over. But when we don't, when Cain rejected grace, he went out and he killed his brother. Write this down. When grace is rejected, we get infected. When we, when we just, I'm not going to deal with that right now. God, I'm not going to talk about that area. I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to ask forgiveness there. I'm not going to say sorry. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to write the letter. I'm not going to, whatever it might be. When you begin to do that, we think, we think it's just simply like just doing that. No, it's actually infecting us. I mean, think about it. This dude, God's like, where's your brother? He goes, he goes, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He's getting, he gets an attitude with God. I don't know, God. You know. What up? Am I my brother's keeper? I mean, think about this. In a few days, I don't know how many, a few days, a month, I don't know. He went from wanting to worship God with the sacrifice of his hands to cold-blooded murder and defiance and disrespect in a few days. Can I tell you, when we resist grace, we can come in here in these environments and we can try to worship and we can worship on Sunday and we can go crazy on Monday. And we can't resist grace. And you want this deep walk and you've put this goal on your life of this deep walk. You, that you, God doesn't want some big deep walk. He wants a daily walk. He wants a daily response to grace. He wants a daily, oh God, I'm sorry, I want to do it your way. Oh God, I'm going to humble myself a little bit. Oh God, I'm not going to get infected because I'm going to respond. Thank you for the second chance. God, I need this grace in my life. Am I my brother's keeper? God said, hey, your brother's blood cries out from the ground to me. Number five, God wants you and I to hear and to respond to the cry of humanity. Nina leads our care ministry. There's probably, she said, thank you for what you do for people and your heart for people and how you care for people. 
I mean, there's things she's, I mean, she'll be telling me, Pastor, we got to go to like, you know, Zimbabwe. We got to go over to Canada. We got fires over there. We got to go to Burma. You know, she's not really, but her heart is all over the whole world. And this community, there's not a week goes by that she's not sharing with tears or praying or asking God to do something for you or your family. And, and like, just God wants us to hear and respond to the cry of humanity. The blood of God has a voice. Listen, listen, the blood of Jesus is crying hope. The, the blood of, of our brothers and sisters is crying help. And when we respond to both, the kingdom of God shows up. When we respond to help and we respond to hope, God's kingdom shows up. And, and we, we have to respond. Like when, the, when this happened on Tuesday, I talked to the staff. All I knew to do was say, all I knew to say was this. I said, hey, listen, this is, this is a tragedy. God's going to turn it to good. But let me ask our team. Let me ask us this. Let's fight the right battles. As a church, let's fight the right battles. I mean, it's so easy. We've all got different things in our life and different dysfunction and different relationships and different stuff. But let's, let's decide. Let's fight the right battles as, as a church. What are the battles we're fighting the emails I get about doctrine or can women preach? The stuff, the battles we fight. Can, I don't like that worship song. Can I tell you, we're not singing to you. We're singing to Jesus. We didn't write it for you. What is the battle? What's the battle in your home? What's the battle in your marriage? What's the battle in, at work? What are we obsessing over? What are, what are the battles? Here, here's the battle. Here, here's some battles I wrote down. What stuff is important? What, what are we battling? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I, am I fighting for my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? An estimated 27 million people are in sex trafficking and sex labor slavery right now across the globe. One to 2% are ever rescued. One in 100,000 European traffickers is ever convicted. One in 100,000 ever convicted. Every 30 seconds, every, every 30 seconds, someone is forced into this type of sex slavery. Every 30 seconds. 870 million people are, are suffering from, world, from hunger. Uh, five million children die every year from hunger. Am I my brother's keeper? Suicide. There's one million suicides worldwide every year. Every 40 seconds, someone dies by suicide. 20 failed attempts to one successful attempt. There's a lot more pain than we know about. Am I my brother's keeper? The incarceration rate in the United States is the highest in the world, and we only have 5% of the population. $60 billion a year. Sin and pain costs money. Am I my brother's keeper? Alcohol and drugs. Approximately 75,000 Americans perish every year from health issues induced by alcohol. 41,000 more perish in car crashes from some alcohol relation, and 50% of all automobile traffic deaths are from alcohol, abuse, and violence. One in four women will experience domestic violence during her lifetime. Five children will die today from abuse and neglect. Every 13 seconds, a child is abused in the United States. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 just abused. One in four girls is a victim of sexual abuse. One in 13 boys is a victim of sexual abuse. God is asking, am I my brother's keeper? What, what are we called to do as a church? What are we called to do as families? What are we called to do as neighbors? Am I my brother's keeper. God wants you and I to be empowered to make a difference in our community, in our church, in this environment, in our homes. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is, please, God, let me be. Help me be. 
Let the tragedy be turned into an army. Cain, he will not take God's grace. He rejects it. And the Bible says he goes out from the presence of the Lord and dwells in the land of Nod, begins to live in the land of Nod. The word Nod in Hebrew is translated wandering. When we leave the presence of God, we live a life of wandering. Wandering from paycheck to paycheck, wandering from meal to meal. I got family members that all they do is know what the next stake they're going to have is. Money, life, the next entertainment party, the next steak, the next good meal, like wandering some days awake for God, some days tired for God, up and down, in and out of the faith. Do I believe? Do I not? We were never meant to be relegated to a life of wandering. We were called to have a mission in this community. If you're a part of this church, you're called to be a part of the mission here. I told first service, can I tell you, please, if you're saved, you're called to serve. We're called to be on mission. There's so many areas of service that we need help with. We, come on, we make it look like we got it all figured out. We don't. There's kids areas and production areas and outreach areas and connect group areas and service areas. And we need leaders and we need coaches and we need, and we need servants. And, we, we, and your neighborhood needs people. And whatever it is, God's got a mission. If you're saved, you have a mission to fulfill. Remember when they went to Jesus and they were like, hey, Jesus, here's some lunch. Eat. He's like, I got food you don't know about. And they're like, what, did somebody give him a sandwich? Who fed him? And he goes, my food is to do the will of my father who sent me and to finish the work. Can I tell you, you've got a work to finish. You have something on your plate God's given you. And I can tell you there's things that we can offer you here to do and to be a part of that are making an eternal difference. I have a good friend of mine. He was on a cruise with his family and his son went missing. Went missing for a half an hour. The captain came down, all the whole crews looking for this boy. They think it's boy overboard, like this five-year-old, six-year-old boy. And the boy was hiding under one of the tables on the pool deck or some up on one of the decks and like came out laughing like, ha, gotcha. And the captain was like, told his dad like, hey, dude, we were about to turn the boat around. Like one, five more minutes, we were going to turn the boat around and retrace the, the path to maybe find him in the water. And the dad told me, he goes, I was blown away that they were willing to disrupt the life of 4,000 people to go maybe save one. And he said, isn't it amazing that churches sail by bobbing bodies in the water every day? Isn't it amazing that we just, hey, Jesus, you hungry? How about the cheese plate on the pool deck? Uh, food you don't know about. Entertainment wasn't too good today. Didn't like the unlimited pizza on Floor 12, man, the kid slides weren't just, weren't great enough. This is not some cruise we're on. I'm not saying we shouldn't eat. I like a good steak too. Come on, somebody. But what I'm saying is, what's our mission? You know what our mission is if we're on the boat? Our mission is to remember what it was like when we were bobbing in the ocean. And our mission is to be on this boat and to figure out how to get as many people safely on this boat to the destination, through the storms, through the ups and through the downs, through the good food and the bad food, through the good entertainment and bad entertainment, through the good days and bad days. God, God, give me a mission. Give me a purpose. I need your will to be done in my life. I don't want to go out and wander from your presence. Cain lived a life of wandering. You and I aren't called to wander. We're called to be on mission. We need the Holy Spirit power to give us the ability to be guided in these hours, to have the plan, to have a empowerment, to tell people about Christ, to bring as many people to Christ as we can. The days are short. I don't know how long. I'm not here to tell you how long. Israel's at war. 
First time in 50 years. That's God's time clock. Israel's God's time clock. All you have to do is read the Bible and see every single thing that that book talks about that is happening is happening. So my heart and my cry is that tragedy would wake us up somehow, that I'm all in. God says this, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. There's thousands waiting to get help, thousands waiting to be saved. That man who killed that police officer, they lived in a $400,000 house in West Knoxville. They were educated. They were, they were people, everything from the outside looked normal, like well, big houses, big cars, money, looking for nannies, all of that, and they're dying on the inside of that house. Jesus said, the problem, the problem is, is not the harvest. It says the workers are few. I'm just telling you, giving you my heart today. Like, like we need it. The work, this is Jesus' heart. The number one problem is not the source. There's an endless supply of grace. The number one problem is not the supply or the demand. There's a number one demand in the world for help and healing. The number one problem is the distribution system. Jesus says it. He goes, man, my harvest is plentiful. My labors are few. He said, I have too many people on the boat that don't realize they're saved to serve. I need harvesters. I need laborers. My kids bought $300 shoes on goat. <laughs> Some kind of Adidas. 300 bucks. I was like, I've never done that in my whole life. I was like, y'all, I was like, hey, what are those, are those basketball shoes? They're like, oh, dad. I was like, are those the running shoes? No, they're called lifestyle shoes, Dad. I was like, three hundred dollars. I was like, when I like any shoes I buy, you either can work out in them, run in them, jump in them, play soccer in them, play sports in them, play basketball in them. There's a purpose. There's a point. There's a use for the shoe. Like, what are these for? They just make me look good, Dad. I, I think some of us, me included, at times have purchased lifestyle shoes. Instead of gospel shoes. Like we're in this for gospel shoes. Blessed are the feet who bring good news. Blessed are those that care about not looking good, but, but being better, being good, because Jesus died and was better and made us better. You have a mission. I don't know what it is for you. God does. I'm just asking you. I'm, I'm begging you. And engage in the mission God has for you in this hour. I promise you, you, you're not going to wander. There's grace from the Holy Spirit. There's healing. We're going to respond to hope and healing that God offers today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for the church, the dysfunctional family of God. Thank you for our own families that are dysfunctional at times because we're human. Thank you that we would obsess over the right things, oh God. We pray for Officer Tucker's family and the other family in the West Knoxville community that lost a dad, a son, a brother, a father. God, we pray for our police departments and our church family. We pray for our souls to grieve and to heal. We pray to pick up the pieces only by your grace and your power. We pray that we wouldn't harden our hearts to the cry of humanity, Lord, that we wouldn't harden our souls to the need of the gospel in the earth in this hour, that, Lord, our neighbors would know about the truth, our friends, our family, that they would hear the gospel in love. They would hear grace. They would hear the urgency in our voices that we would serve this house whatever way you call us to, God. 
That we're not just floating on a, a cruise ship. This is a battleship, oh Lord. I pray for individuals to know their mission and to fulfill it, to finish the work you've given them, Lord, whether it's in this city or another city, whatever it might be, in their careers, in their homes. I pray for moms to have strength and courage to be moms today in a new way, that calling to be a mother. I pray for fathers to have strength and courage to be a dad and to, to love their kids and to hug a little bit tighter, to share their emotions a little bit stronger and a little bit more. I pray for marriages right now, for the grace of God on marriages right now, God, that they would obsess over the right things where there's strife and there's turmoil and there's bitterness or there's envy or there's pain looking through a lens of every mistake that was made. I pray for that to be erased today. And oh God, that you would heal families and homes today. I pray that you would heal uh, leaders and workers and employees and bosses, oh God, that are working for a mission for you in this city, oh God pray that you would heal churches, that we, weren't, we aren't fighting against each other. It's not denominational fightings, Lord, that we're fighting against poverty and pain and abuse and homelessness and death and cancer and sin and the violence and anger. That's what we're fighting against today. We are our brother's keeper, oh God, and as a church, we say we'll hear the cry of our brother and our sister. Help us to do it. And where our resources fail, would you fill the gap, oh Lord? If you're in this room just for another second, I just want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're not in the family of God. Maybe you've been invited here. Maybe you've been checking this place out for a few months. Who knows? Maybe you're watching online this morning and you know you're not in the family of God. What I mean by that is you've never really accepted Jesus as your leader and Lord. There was a man named Jesus, a son, a son, a family member. God, when he had to solve sin, he didn't send a superhero. He sent a son named Jesus. He sent a family member to die on a tree horrifically to take my sin, my shame, my guilt, to take the tragedy, the pain, the disease, the havoc in the earth. He took it all under that tree and died horrifically to pay for all that pain in this earth. And then he rose from the dead on the third day to prove to you and I that he's God, that he beated death, he beated the devil, he beated hell, he beat hell, he beat, it, he beat sin, he beat all that once and for all to allow us to be part of the family of God. Maybe you know today that you're not in the eternal family with God, not by your actions or your ability, nothing you can do, but you know you're not walking in the family of God because you've never given the leadership of your life to Jesus. You never trusted him. Or maybe you did in the past, but you've walked away from that. You've been doing it your own way. Today is his heart calling you back, going, I want you in my family. Son, I want you in my family. Daughter, I want you in my family. If you're watching online right now, right where you are, every week people are saying yes to Jesus right online. If you're watching, you say, you know what? I feel distant from God. I feel distant from his family. I don't know if I'm a part of it. Come on, God's inviting you today to surrender to Jesus. You're a part, you're invited. He did all the work on the cross. Would you just type in, I need a fresh start right now. Just type it in in the chat right there. You're listening to my voice right now? Type it in, I need a fresh start with God. I know I'm not in the family of God or I'm away from the family. I feel distant. I don't feel good enough to be in the family. That's okay, Jesus paid the price. He did all the good enough. He did it all. Just type it, I need a fresh start today. And then if you're in this room, no one looking around, I'm not gonna embarrass you. Just for another second, if you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start today. Today's my day. Put your hand up high to me. Would you be bold enough? I need a fresh start today. I need to do it God's way. I need God to lead my life. Come on, God bless you. God bless you. I need a fresh start. I'm ready to surrender my way for his way. Anybody else, just for another second. Thank you for your courage, sir. Come on, church. Oh, man, heaven's rejoicing. 
people in this room saying yes right now. The Holy Spirit, you put your hand up or if you put your heart up, the Holy Spirit's flooding your heart right now. It's a supernatural transaction. He's flooding the spaces of your life and he's inviting you and bringing you right now into the eternal family of God. You're in the family. You put your hand up, you put your heart up. Jesus is the one that offers us entrance to the family. You're in the family of God now. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. There's no magic in my words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being a faithful son. Thank you for hearing the cry of planet Earth and coming to this planet. Thank you for taking on flesh and bone. Thank you for going to that cross and dying a horrific death for me, for me. Taking the pain of my life, the sin, the regret, the shame, taking all my rebellion, you took it all and you crucified it on that tree. And then you didn't stop. You rose from the dead. I believe you rose from the dead. You're God. I'm not. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit right now. Holy Spirit, come into me. Thank you for making me an eternal part of the family of God, for giving me eternal life. I will worship you and serve you the rest of my days in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, can we give God a little shout of praise in here? People saying yes to heaven. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.